did any of you have a, a nickname when you were growing up? Maybe it was a, a nickname that was loved, something that you really liked, something that you picked out. People started calling you that name, and it just, it just stuck. You were forever known as, as Corky or Birdie or Shorty or whatever your nickname might have been. Anyone have a nickname at some point in their life? Some of us, though, were maybe given nicknames that we uh, did not like very much, names that were thrust upon us, names that we never chose or would never choose for ourselves. Thankfully, Thankfully, my nicknames were mostly in the first category, but sometimes we are called a a name that just sticks with us whether we like it or not. I'm convinced that if the Apostle Thomas were alive today, he would not like his nickname, Doubting Thomas. What an unfortunate nickname. And it's all because of this, this one story that we hear today in our reading from John's Gospel account. Anything and everything else that Thomas might have done in his life is largely forgotten because of this one incident with Jesus, Doubting Thomas. What a terrible nickname. I saw a cartoon recently, and it, it had Thomas with his, his hands in the air. He was talking with some of the other disciples, and he was likely in a very frustrated voice saying to them, all I'm saying is we don't call Peter denying Peter or Mark ran away naked Mark. Why am I saddled with this nickname forever? And the other disciple looked at him and said, I see your point, Thomas, but why don't you just get over it? This this story that we hear today in John's gospel account is, is actually one of the few stories that is read consistently on the same Sunday every year, the second Sunday of Easter. Every year we journey through Lent and Holy Week, arriving at Easter Sunday with that interchangeable combination of Matthew and Mark and Luke, depending on the lectionary year. And then John is sort of stuck in there to supplement those readings. But it's, it's on this Sunday and every second Sunday of Easter that we always hear a reading from the 20th chapter of John's Gospel, the, the story of poor doubting Thomas. It's, it's important to note also that we, we don't actually hear much from Thomas in our Gospel accounts, in all four of them. There are several mentions of his name, but Thomas actually only speaks four lines in the entire New Testament and each of those lines, all of those lines, are in, in John's gospel. The first time that we hear from Thomas is in John chapter 11. He says to the other disciples, let us all follow Jesus so that we may die with him. And he says this after Jesus is making predictions about his own death. Let us all follow Jesus so that we may die with him. What a, what a bold thing to say. And yet we often forget about this line in the gospel account. He isn't bold Thomas. He is doubting Thomas. The next time that we hear from Thomas is in John chapter 14 when he says to to Jesus after Jesus is is saying that he is is going to prepare a place for his disciples. A reading that we hear often at at funerals in the Episcopal church. Thomas then says to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And then Jesus responds with one of the most famous lines in all of the scriptures. He says to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus' line sort of trumps Thomas' question in this story. And so we quickly forget that Thomas is actually asking a a smart question. But he isn't smart, Thomas. He's, He's doubting Thomas. The final words that we hear from the lips of Thomas come at the end of our story from John chapter 20 that we heard just a few minutes ago. After having an encounter with 
the risen Lord Jesus a week after the other disciples have witnessed him. Thomas boldly, proudly confesses, my Lord and my God. But as before, we do not call him confessing Thomas, no. Instead, we turn to the part of the story that that came a little earlier when he says to the other disciples, those who have seen the Lord, those who are sort of bragging about witnessing the risen Christ, he says, unless I see the holes in his hands and put my finger in those holes and in his side, I won't believe that Jesus is alive. And so he is forever and ever and ever and ever doubting Thomas. Poor, poor Thomas. Truth be told, we, I think, would all respond in the same way. This is how we would all respond if one of our close friends came to us and told us that someone who had been dead was now living. We wouldn't believe it unless we saw it for ourselves, and even still we might, might not believe it then. And, and that's okay. It's, it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have questions, to be skeptical, to want to see the physical evidence for ourselves, to want to know more. In my opinion, all of those things are good qualities, qualities that lead us to ask deep questions, to not be satisfied with shallow answers. And the good news is that like in our reading for this morning, the risen Lord is willing to meet us right where we are, wherever we are. That's that's the part of the story that I love. Thomas says that he cannot believe unless he sees Jesus for himself, and then a week later, there Jesus is, offering peace, offering his body, giving Thomas that opportunity to cast his eyes upon the risen one and to believe. The, the chapel at, at Sawani, All Saints Chapel, is a, a big and beautiful space filled with plaques memorializing donors and former students and and lots of other individuals who have shaped that university in many different ways. One could, as I did when I was in seminary at Sewanee, literally spend hours and hours walking through that large and grand church looking and reading the various markers. My favorite one, though, is one that I found one afternoon as I was walking through the chapel heading to a meeting. I wasn't actually in that space to, to worship or to look at anything in particular. I wasn't paying attention to those markers, those plaques. But this, this small, pretty insignificant marker caught my eye on this particular day. It was in an obscure place toward the front of the church, toward the, the pulpit, and it was a plaque given in uh, memory of someone's aunt, a name I honestly can't even remember the name, so we'll call this person Ruth, Aunt Ruth. And this this is what that plaque said, and it's it stuck with me uh, all of these years. This is what it said. In loving memory of Aunt Ruth, she tried her very best. She tried her very best. I, I'm convinced that that is all that God requires of each one of us, that we try our very best, that we try to believe our very best, that we try to love our very best, that we try to heal in the very best ways that we can, that we try to offer peace in the very best ways that we can, that we try our very best to pull down those things that corrupt other people, that have prejudice toward other people, and that we do our very best to build up societies, build up communities that promote fairness and justice and wholeness. Try your very best to do this work, and I'm, I'm convinced that Jesus will, will be there to meet us, to, to guide us, to help us, to show us the way as we do this important work.
I love what Mother Teresa, that great healer and follower of Jesus, once said when she was asked if she was worried about failing in her work to care for the dying and the poor. She said this. She said, God does not require me to be successful. God just requires that I try. God doesn't require you or me. God does not require us to be successful. God just requires that we try. That's it. It's, it's an unfortunate thing, but the, the main thing that we remember about Thomas is that he had a period of, of doubt in his faith. We don't know a lot about him, but we do know some things. He was Jewish. The New Testament says that he was a twin. We're not sure who his other twin was, who his twin was. He was faithfully devoted to Jesus, even to the point of being willing to die for him. He asks about where Jesus is going because he does not want to be separated from him. From him. And then after the crucifixion, he must have been very afraid, very full of grief and fear and guilt. And so when he hears his friends, his fellow disciples, saying that they have seen the Lord, he has this, this moment of doubt. Unless I see those marks, I won't believe, he says. And then we're told that Thomas, he sticks with it. He hangs around. He, he doesn't turn on his friends. He doesn't leave this community of faith. He doesn't start to follow some other would-be Messiah. He keeps coming back. And Jesus, when Jesus appears to him the next week, he is able to have this, this encounter with Jesus. He's able to experience the peace that, that comes only from God. He's able to say boldly and loudly as one who believes, this, this one is my Lord and my God. The good news, the Easter news, the, the Christian news for all of God's people is that when we least expect Jesus and when we most need Jesus, He appears in our midst over and over and over again and speaks His words of peace to us and invites us to experience, to feel, to, to know the resurrection more and more each and every day of our lives. May we in our different situations and our different places and our joys and our pains and our fears and our doubts and our beliefs. May we begin to believe in this resurrected Jesus. May we begin to know the peace that this living Jesus offers to each one of us. And then may we not be afraid to go out and try our very best to share that peace with those who most need to experience it. Amen.